0: I was always very analytical about things, making research. Without the research, we do not know what, which decision is the right one. But in many cases, you can just make the decision and see what happens. And it really speeds up the process and you do the things that you want to do instead of thinking about them and postponing the execution indefinitely. And courage is uh, more about just do it. Like it's, Maybe you will fail, but if you don't do it, you, you won't know.
1: You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey there, leaders, and welcome back to another episode of Leaders of B2B. Today, super excited to have Maciej Gaukiewicz here on the show from Ragnarsson. And uh, really just excited to dive in. Uh Mache's got a super incredible story today. Um, we we chatted already prior to this and just absolutely fascinating journey, very untraditional on how he basically became the CEO of a company um that he I don't think ever intended to be. And uh so it's gonna be really interesting to dive in on this today. Um so welcome, Mache. Excited to have you here on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Jake for for having me. I'm happy to share all the exper- experiences that I have and uh, yeah, always always so curious about the questions and how it will go.
1: Awesome. Well, um, before we dive into your whole backstory, can you give us the quick, you know, 60 to 90 second overview of uh, what is Regnarsson and, and what do you guys do?
0: Yep. Yeah. Just uh, quickly to, to, uh, to summarize what we do, we have two pillars pillars. On one hand, we invest in early stage impact driven startups and impact for us are three things, uh, climate change, sustainability, um, different kinds of socioeconomic inequalities. And the second pillar, and something that we originally started with, is a web development agency. We've been working mostly with startups over the last um, 15 years, uh, the building different kind of software as a service solutions, online marketplaces. We are more than 30 people right now. Uh, has been have been working um, remotely from the very beginning, and that's this is us in a nutshell.
1: Awesome! That's uh, super cool, and I love the the social impact behind it. That you know, you guys have the development shop, and now you're investing in your own startups and everything as well. So it's really cool to see you guys kind of bridge that gap, which I think is the dream for uh, a lot of development companies.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always tell uh. people it's um, life is too short to build another Trello. Uh, so this is this is why we we have this impact focus right now uh, to do something that we really believe in.
1: Nice, I love that, that is a great motto and uh, I'm shifting in that same direction myself. So excited to, to dive into that more. Before we dive into the impact focus, though, I want to dive into your backstory because it is uh, extremely fascinating, Um, read through the article you shared and everything. But can you tell us just a bit of, I guess, the story of Regnerson and how the company came about and how you became the CEO? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's a a tough one in the sense of, uh, there's a lot of different details I would like to cover, but uh, to make it reasonably short, the company was founded 15 years ago by Łukasz Piestrzeniewicz. And uh, he was closely collaborating with one of the VCs from Germany. And at the beginning, it was more like a lifestyle business. Lukas wanted to really do something that it's uh, different from uh, from uh, from the things that uh, the corporation he was working at was doing. So it's not only only about uh, the, like the domain expertise, um, but also about uh, how things are being done at a company. So he was uh, he had a very strong drive to build a company that. Would create an environment that he would really, really like to would like to work in, and it was it has always been uh, an important aspect of the company. Always trying to to create a good environment that we really enjoy and other employees as well as enjoy, and um, yeah, I think this environment really helped to nurture also me as one of the the team members, and a few years later uh, we had um, we had a crisis uh, crisis and. Um, Rukash was running the show alone. More than thirty people back then, only him and uh, no, not everyone, um, no, no one else to, to help on the management side, on the business side, with sales, recruitment, marketing, you name it. And we've we've seen that we saw that uh, things are not really going into the right direction. So we don't have enough projects for, for our team. Pipeline is dry. The recruitment is is uh, it's not so easy. The competition is is, is getting stronger. So we made an intervention, like you can imagine from American sitcoms, uh, when a bunch of friends make an intervention and they say, listen, you should stop drinking or whatever the problem is. Uh, In our case, their intervention was about, listen, Lukasz, maybe you need some help because, I mean, you're just one person. You're not able to do everything. Maybe we can help you out. We are tech people, but, but, uh, you know, happy to help on the business side just to... We really care about the company, so, you know, if there's anything we could do, then... Let's do it. And this is when I uh, switched to sides. And um, from, a, from a system administrator, I become a, a let's say, business person. Uh, basically trying to, to fix our sales pipeline with no clue whatsoever how to do so. And only after six months, so when I started, um, Ukash passed away. And it was uh, out of nowhere. He was 35 back then, if I'm not mistaken. It was brain uh, tumor. It was cancer. He had an operation, but he didn't, he didn't make it. Like two days after or three, his body simply didn't uh, wake up. And we lost not only the leader of the company, but but a friend and someone who taught us like a lot of different things how to how to make your life better because he was always about well being of the of the employees and not necessarily just improving the company. So the, the people were always first. And yeah, I mean, before he, he passed away, um, there was a bunch of different shareholders at the company and I was among them. So we took over and we started, we tried to, to, to push things forward. We tried to survive. The, the environment was super valuable to us. So we really wanted to fight for it and um yeah no later than 6 months um after his death uh, there was another crisis um on our on our road we ha- we haven't we didn't really solve the, the sales issues so at the end of the year we were about to lose one of our biggest clients 30% of the revenue or so and we had no idea how to how to fix it i went to berlin to we meet with everyone i knew and um I was trying to quickly find some leads into our sales, uh, to, to, to fill out, fill in our sales pipeline. And it wasn't that easy. I quickly learned uh, the competition is uh, really strong in Berlin. It's, it's, um, it's not like people are waiting for you to, to buy services from you to help them to, to get some help from, uh, from a partner like us. And uh, yeah, I was a bit lucky to be honest. One of the old contacts of of the company uh, reached out to me and said, listen, I know this guy, he needs some help. Why don't you meet with him and see what happens? And out of nowhere, we got a very strong lead, someone who needed exactly what we were able to provide. And it saved us for the next like two years. Yeah, uh, this was one of the lessons that was really uh, important to me that randomness is um, um, it's a funny thing, uh, something that uh, simply sometimes happens and, and really helps you out. Yeah, and then the next two years were uh, the years of prosperity and learning how to run a business. A uh, lot of different ups and downs, and as you can imagine, I was still a rookie, no idea what to what to do, how to lead the company. So we have done a lot. We we did a lot of things that we sh- we shouldn't be doing, like focusing on 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 the wrong priorities. Yeah, but eventually um, there is a, like there is more um, fidelity in this in this story. But I wouldn't like to go uh, for the next hour about it. But uh, eventually we, we made it. So we learned the things. We survived like the next uh, crisis, which was also like losing two biggest clients, again out of, out of nowhere. And it was five years ago. So yeah, I had quite some time to learn the lessons of, of the business. Let's
1: say that's incredible and just uh, it's. Uh... Amazing story and just amazing to hear, to see that you guys made it through such a tragedy. I think that that is, you know, the, it's something I think your, or your founder would probably be really proud of. Cause that's always like the fear is like, you know, what would happen if you know something happened? Like would this carry on and the fact that you guys, um, were able to is a, is a really incredible thing. Um, I'm curious, I guess after your founder passes away and you guys are left in this, trying to figure out what to do, like how was the decision made that you would become CEO like when did that happen how did those conversations go about like yeah, is that you just kind of stepped up and naturally assumed it was everyone saying like hey um Aceh, we think you are the strongest candidate here or how did that all go through such a kind of chaotic time
0: mhm so the the shareholders that we had at the time there was uh, four or five of us not sure exactly and we all had the same amount of shares so technically, um, anyone could become this person. Um, I think I was simply, um, yeah, probably had, I, maybe I had the, the most relevant skills or, or talents, maybe underdeveloped skills, but I was more keen into diving into the business world than the rest of the, of, the, of, the, of the shareholders. Like all of us were tech people originally. And as you can imagine, a typical tech person is not exactly eager to, to do business stuff. But for me, I didn't really mind, and it was uh, for me, it was actually something really uh, interesting and then at the same time challenging. So yeah, it it came to us quite naturally.
1: That's incredible and and it seems like you guys have come a really a really long way to be at this point of you know struggling to survive, uh, trying to just find clients to keep the doors open to now to the point where you guys are able to invest in projects and everything. Were there any kind of peak pivotal points along the way that kind of helped you guys level up forward or were kind of these milestones that took you from, you know, surviving to actually thriving as a company?
0: There was no like overnight uh, success in this uh, this story. It was more about uh, building up the expertise, sometimes being lucky, sometimes um, accidentally making the right thing. I've, for me personally, one of the best lessons was um, when five years ago, we lost like two biggest clients and they must have represented like 50% of the revenue or so. And it was this, it was like this cold shower. Um, whoa, it's happening. What do we do now? Like, why didn't I focus on sales before that happened? I knew that these problems, so we uh, they, they will come sooner or later and we would need to confront them. Yeah, I was still kind of Undisciplined um, as an entrepreneur. So, if I were to to like select one of the biggest um, like forces that really um, influenced me, it was it was this this crisis, the worst half a year of my life, I guess. But at the same time, the most um, uh, rewarding when it, when it comes to my personal growth. Yeah, this this story with uh, Lukasz passing away. Um, maybe wasn't as 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 valuable in a sense of when it happened I didn't have any expectations so if we fail well we fail we didn't have the skills I mean the challenge was simply too big but the, the other crisis we had the skills we had the team we had everything and we just kind of failed in execution so that was that would have been more of my personal failure and probably because of that I, I learned more from from this um, experience.
1: So another question that comes to mind, uh, I always get kind of like a really deep into the life stuff here on some of these, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're now the CEO of a company where basically the, your, your previous founder and your previous CEO just at 35 passes away suddenly. And I know for many entrepreneurs, I've had other people on the show where they talk about just kind of, um, we've had some other people talk about like near, death experiences and just working, you know, easy as a CEO to just work a ton, um, work a lot and everything. And I'm curious, maybe how has that impacted you or how has that changed maybe your outlook on life or business or your role as a CEO? Um, I guess, seeing someone who was taken so at such a young age and everything in their role.
0: One of the learnings was definitely that those things that you think really don't really happen or happen to someone else. They they really happen. I mean, it wasn't me, but still, it was someone close to me. It's not like reading in the news that someone has cancer. Well, I'm sorry, but it's difficult for me to relate. I don't know those people. I know that it happens, but not really in my neighborhood. So it was was kind of life-opening. I think it was one of the... it, It shaped me in a way that... But when I think about my life, I know it's uh, it's fragile. It it may end up any time. I mean, I'm young and healthy as of now, but you never know. So, it's easier for me to remember that every day is valuable, and I need to like fully um, use it to my own for my own purposes. So, okay, I mix it up a bit. So I, I only said the, the other thing in in the sense of. Uh, just keep, uh, keep uh, living and, um, enjoy your life instead of, uh, waiting for something. Like I hate when people set their, those goals and they say, okay, now when I'm rich uh, in five years, then I will do this and that I'm more into, it's a journey and, uh, let's enjoy the journey and we'll see what happens in the long run if we reach those goals or not, but I don't I expect them to happen only to be happy.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's a yeah, super insightful one. Just, um, it's always interesting to hear people's perspectives that are close to something like this. Yeah. So another area that I'm, I'm very intrigued to to dive into on, on that's I think very interesting about you guys is um, what I saw that you mentioned that you do, I believe uh, everyone sets their own salaries and it's all transparent, uh, which again, I thought was a very interesting approach and everything. And um, can you maybe dive first a bit more into how did that process come about? Was that partially due to the shift of, I guess, uh, was that before your founder passed or after, or when did this kind of all come into to play?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this example. Uh, and I know it's a bit controversial and at the beginning people have no clue what it means, but at least I, I have their attention to, to explain it. It happened. we introduced it after the, the second crisis, uh, crisis, when we uh, lost uh, this 50% of revenue. We went to the team, uh, we had some layoffs, obviously, we, we weren't able to, and it didn't make sense to retain uh, the entire team. So we let go of one third of, of the people that we had, which was super painful, not only to, to the people, but um, also to the company itself. And uh, the people that left, we, we had a conversation about the future. We said, listen, guys, I mean, we have problems, we are losing money right now. We won't make it like it only if i'm responsible and, and the rest of the the shareholders and my, my business partners we won't make it if, if everything is on us so we really really need to engage you as well even in non-technical stuff to to keep the company afloat and um yeah one of the challenges we had at the time that was um, my performance review we had no process process for it and when it comes to money uh, you know it's a, always a sensitive topic and uh, we needed a solution so we had a conversation about introducing some process as usual uh, you have like you do it i don't know twice a year maybe once a year you have a list of criteria that people meet or not and based on the subjective opinion of uh, of the supervisor they get a raise uh, or not so after the the discussion if if we want to do it we came to the conclusion that it's um it's based on the model which is always uh, flawed to some degree. there are subjective like inputs to the model and um, some people may benefit from it because they a bit play the system and we wanted to have something more in a sense more simple and more fair, at least fair to the people so the, to to the employees so they don't have to meet all those artificial criteria that that we came up with. Yeah, and uh, we read the book, uh, I think it was called Reinventing Organizations uh, by some French author. And uh, there was an example what uh, how one company did it. So it works pretty easy uh, in, in our case. Like we meet twice a year in person. People gather feedback from their peers. So they have like sessions in groups, uh, like five groups a day and it it takes the entire day to to do this uh, to collect this feedback and um, yeah once they collect feedback they just do whatever they set their own rates and decide what what they think is fair but in order to have it in place there are like two crucial factors like the the first one is people need to have a clue what what's kind of the range what's what's fair in this in a broader sense so they would need to know they need to know how much everyone is mel- uh, everyone else is making how well the company is doing what the market offers so before we introduced this this model we actually had an open budget so people could really see all those numbers and since they were able to see them they kind of got an opinion of how it actually looks like uh, we're always actively engaged in uh, in our recruitment so they heard what the candidates were asking um during the during different interviews so basically they they had a lot of context financial context to to make an edu- educated decision of what they are really worth and the second uh, ingredient that it's necessary is uh, kind of willingness of the of the board to make this leap of faith <laughs> so to lose control uh, of such such an important thing and trust that the people will, will do the right thing and so far it's been it's been working great like we've been we've been doing this for the last three and a half years if i'm not mistaken yeah
1: and so do you ever have situations where someone sets something and you guys are like mm, and like there's kind of questioning from others and maybe how do you because i think that's the thing where it's like oh if people are looking at the market salaries or looking at what's a reasonable growth and rate and like the company's profits if, you know I, I think you're trying to set up an environment where most cases people will do well, but I think every founder's fear with something like this is they're like, what about the person who sets it a little high? Uh, And, (laughs) and so how do you guys handle that? Or or do you guys handle that? Or or how do you think about that? Or if maybe someone sets it where everyone else disagrees that it maybe they didn't, you know, actually earn that kind of growth? Or what are your thoughts there?
0: Uh, Like, in general, we only had one situation when someone raised uh, the salary so much that the team was really disappointed. And uh, we had the feeling it's simply out of sync with everyone at the company with the market, and obviously in relation to the skills of this person. So they um, spontaneously organized a meeting about it. It must have been like more than ten people. So quite a significant part of the company. yeah, and this um, and then we simply um after the after after some conversations, these this people was was let go. Uh, but apart from that, Occasionally, people ra- raise maybe their their rates a bit above what others think is is right, but it's not like to in in those cases it's um they're minor issues because you know it's it's very difficult to say who should be making exactly how much if it's like you know one thousand more five hundred less it's nobody knows it's just uh, if 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 this the difference is not so high then it's. Okay, they think it's 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 okay. Some people think it's not so okay. Um the person who did the race uh there was some wiggle, uh room for, you know, for uncertainty, let's say. Yeah, but apart from that, like the the system is based on on shame just to some extent, so there's peer pressure, uh so people wouldn't do anything crazy because they know that their peers would would be saying, "Hey, you're my you're my buddy and now you do something like this." I don't think it's fair, you know, so we either we even had situations when we needed to encourage people to 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 get to get more money because um, it was out of sync with what the candidates were asking for. Yeah, but, um, you know, it works in our case. I I don't think it's a solution for for everyone.
1: I think you bring up a really good point that the person who did abuse it, basically, it ended up you guys letting that person go. So it's almost like a culture filter is what it really sounds like, that the people that would abuse the system, that's almost like a sign. If if someone abuses it to the point where 10 people raise their hand and say, hey, I've got a problem with this, that is like a giant culture flag, essentially, is what it sounds like. So it's probably almost like a weeding out of people from the, the culture as well
0: yeah I, I don't mind that it happens. i mean it's it's a mechanism protecting us from freedom uh, free free writers uh, um and people abusing the system uh, and i since it it happens rarely, I don't see us as a as something hurtful to to the company obviously not so good for this um for the person that is being let go you know it's, it's life
1: yeah that makes sense. The other kind of point I want to hit on is really the shift toward uh, impact in investing and I'm curious, uh, you know, as a lot of dev shops, you know, dream of this idea of building their own products or, you know, actually kind of starting other kind of almost becoming incubators and stuff. But I think few actually managed to make that shift. I'm curious, um, how did you guys start about this? Was it just kind of small at first or, or what does it look like today? Maybe can you can just kind of share more about, I guess, this impact and investing arm
0: to give you like a broader perspective. We, um. 11 years ago, we, we had our own startup. It was a sister company to, to the agency that we have right now. It was a product company, a, a hosting platform, and we, uh, we run it for six years. We had to close it because we uh, we made all the mistakes that you can imagine that startups do uh, for the first time. But it was really a, a, a great adventure, like um, really one of the best uh, projects of my life. And uh, when we closed it, and uh, I think like two years later, there was this need to do something. <laughs> and it was more exciting for us to try to come up with something outside of the, of the agency, outside in the sense of not like increasing, like growing the agency itself, but um, doing something else on the side, um, at least to us more exciting. So we started the um we've we thought about um maybe um starting with another product uh for the for the second time and seeing what happens and yeah the the brainstorming that we had was um first of all about the the problems that we would be we would like to focus on and most of those problems boiled down to toward today's focus so it was always about okay there is climate change there is um problem with sustainability and that we deplete the planet and it doesn't really go into the right direction. It was all over the place coming from our research. Everyone had like different kind of issues and challenges relating to it. And um, the inequality uh, that that we also focus on was was also present. Maybe it wasn't so common among, among all those problems, but uh, it was still something important to us. And yeah, we um, did a lot of research, uh, thought about starting a product uh, company, um, couldn't make it for various reasons, uh, didn't have enough domain expertise in many different um, industries. And finally, we uh, we got some help. We, uh, we had a, a workshop with a company called uh, Smart Hector from, from Berlin, and they really helped us to kind of make a plan for it. So those are our goals. This is how what kind of contribution we would like. Uh, but there's maybe there is another... Way to do it. Instead of building a product company, maybe we could um, combine, uh, like, use the agency plus something additional to to reach your goals. And this is how the, the idea of investing born. Yeah, and after some time of doing it, I really think it's it is a much better idea and it's much more um, complementary to 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 the agency part. So right now we do both of, of those activities under one roof.
1: Yeah. So how many projects are you guys involved in today with, I guess, from the investment or kind of development side that outside of like, I guess, paid clients?
0: Yeah. From from the investment perspective, the long-term goal is to, well, long-term in the sense of a few years, uh, is to have 20 to 30 investments. And right now we are finalizing uh, number two and number three. And on the agency side, we usually run up to 10 projects and some of them are more active. Some of them are more in, in the maintenance mode.
1: Okay. That's incredible. And, and I'm and very intrigued, I guess, as you think about this, and also with like the transparent culture, how do you guys decide what investments to make? Um, I mean, uh, it sounds like, again, like it's very transparent. It's open. Um, how do you guys choose which projects to... Going on which funds? Uh, is there? I guess, how do you guys handle that as a company mm-hmm. with like kind of the very open structure that you have?
0: Yeah, very easy. We have a team for that. Uh, someone who on a daily basis is focused on uh, going through different uh, opportunities and selecting the the ones that are the most promising, making calls with founders, meeting with them, evaluating their business model, and so on. And everyone else at the company who is not directly involved, they can always join the process. Um, we have a lot of different meetings happening over the course of, of, of each week uh, when we discuss uh, the, the investments uh, that we have in the pipeline. And yeah, everyone can join, everyone can ask questions. And we also engage um, uh, developers on, on our end. Um, I'm mentioning especially developers because uh, it's, it's the um, most of the people at the company are, are developers because uh, yeah quite often we need to, we need to consult with them what you know how the technical side of things of, of a specific company looks like, how complicated it is to build something or to get out of the, the situation, some kind of technical debt they might be in. Yeah so um, we make a decision in a smaller team, everyone can join and then we um, make announcements about it um, to, to the entire company as well.
1: Nice. That's awesome. It's incredible. And it's excited, excited to see what you guys build with all of this and where you, where you guys go. So uh, it seems like the early stages of what's going to become a, become an empire of amazing impact that you guys will be making. So <laughs> awesome. Um, well, uh, much as we wrap up here, one of the questions I always like to ask is if you could go five to 10 years back in time to your younger self, uh, what advice would you give your younger self?
0: Hmm. Yeah, probably two things: speed and courage. I was always very analytical about things, making research. Without the research, we don't know what which decision is the right one. But in many cases, you can just make the decision and see what happens, and it really speeds up the process. And you do the things that you want to do instead of thinking about them and postponing the execution indefinitely. And um, courage is uh, more about yeah. Just do it like it's, maybe you will fail, but if you don't do it, you, you won't know.
1: I love that. I always love that kind of idea of just uh, make a decision, even if it's the wrong one, at least you have more data uh, and you can of course correct and you've moved forward in some capacity versus just simmering and thinking all day is just a, a vicious cycle to be in. So I love it. Uh,
0: those, those obvious things uh, are usually learned the hard way. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it took me a while to realize it. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, um if anyone wants to go uh, find out more about you or Ragnerson online, what's the best place to to go online and find you?
0: Yeah, everything is on our website, ragnerson.com. I think it's um really the best source of of knowledge about us. So there's our blog, there's our podcast, and more information about the fun and the company in, in general.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on here, Mache. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Jake, for for having me one more time and yeah. Happy to happy to share. A bit of my story and uh, also the the different ways of doing things at at my company.
1: Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.